Hey everyone, and welcome to the Close More Sales Podcast. Our purpose is to empower sales professionals and entrepreneurs to push themselves to grow, achieve unimaginable success without burning out, and ultimately transform their lives. I'm Ian Ross, and I'm obsessed with all things sales. And I work with teams across the country to make more money by asking better questions. The most proven path to achieving financial freedom is maximizing your earning potential, and a sales role is the lowest barrier with the highest possible ceiling for entry onto that path. Anyone can become a killer salesperson with the right techniques, mindset, and consistency. Everything we cover on this podcast is geared toward one thing, helping you close more sales so you can live the life you want. Today, I want to talk to you about something I feel very deeply about, how to go from high-pressure sales tactics to a consultative selling approach. We will go on a brief journey from the aggressive, fast-talking sales floors of the past to the nuanced, consultative-focused approach of today's sales assassins, the disruptors who are so good at selling, you never even felt like they were selling you to begin with. So let's unravel this transformation and see what it means for us as sales professionals and entrepreneurs. If you are someone whose job it is to get the person you are speaking to to decide to take action, this episode is for you. Unfortunately, due almost entirely to the prevalence of social media and this trend for how viral a clip can get to appear to dictate the effectiveness of what's in that clip to the public, I'm seeing a belief among young sales guys that using pressure is the ideal way to sell. I'm a salesman, baby. It's my job to convince you, yes or no. You care about your family, right? You, you wouldn't check with your wife to see if you could run into a burning building to save your children, correct? Well, that's what we're doing here. We're protecting your family. Wouldn't you agree? Yes or no? This style of selling is unbearably ineffective in the long run. And I'll admit it. It drives me freaking nuts to see this purported as the way to have a sales conversation. When you adopt this approach, you absolutely can force some sales down your customer's throat, but you're likely selling only to people just like you who either A, resonate with this hard-nosed approach, they're already inclined to be that way, or B, are pushovers with horrific credit and no ability to make decisions on their own anyway. But what are the risks of this selling approach? Is this dangerous for the business if I sell this way? Is there a risk to my mental health? I will break all that down in this episode. Let's start with a little history lesson. Think back to the classic sales environment, maybe in the 80s, early 90s. It was all about the hustle, the grind. And let's be honest, a little bit of pressure, that pressure cooker environment. Salespeople were often seen as these sleazy, forceful, won't take no for an answer types, right out of a scene from Boiler Room or Glen Gary, Glen Ross. The mantra was A, B, C, always be closing, always be closing. What was the reason for this style of sales training? How could this be so well known as a tactic if it wasn't effective? First, the reason is even back on Wall Street, in the 80s, the ABC always be closing approach 
was meant to deal with the natural inclination for a salesperson to think that their job was just talking to people. Their job is to just have a conversation, build rapport, and then if your prospect likes you, they'll definitely want to do business with you. The ability of salespeople to waste their time, the company's time, has been a constant throughout the ages. The ABC mentality is to remind them that this is a job with techniques and strategies that they need to execute on to deliver results. You are talking to that prospect for a reason, and you want to move, the th you want to move that sale through your process from start to finish with all the bumps, the roadblocks, the detours that happen naturally along the way to the conclusion that you should encounter an effective close or a definitive no. Even following a substandard sales process is better than having no process at all and just winging it. And here's the thing. It worked for a time because the market was different. Access to information was different. And hence, people were different. The knowledge a sales professional had was not as readily available to the public. And salespeople held the keys to the kingdom. They were the gatekeepers of product information, competitor pricing, realistic timelines for fulfillment, you name it. The salesman had this information and his buyer did not. But here's the twist. The world changed. The internet and then smartphones exploded onto our lives. And suddenly, customers had the world at their fingertips. They could research products. They could compare prices, read reviews, all before even talking to a salesperson, before thinking that they want to talk to a salesperson. The shift was massive. It wasn't just technological. It was a shift in power. The gatekeepers, salespeople, didn't hold all the cards anymore. Customers were coming in, informed, skeptical, and with the shield up against those high-pressure tactics. This change called for a new approach, a more refined, sophisticated method where understanding and empathy became the tools of the trade rather than just sheer persistence and pressure. This is where a consultative selling approach as a differentiator compared to all the other tactics and techniques would start to come into play. So what exactly is consultative selling? I hear you ask. It's a style that focuses on the customer as a unique individual with specific needs and challenges. It's not about pushing a product or really even about pitching your solution. It's about understanding your prospect, their concerns, and their challenges. It's about asking questions about them, about their vision for the future, about their fears in achieving that future, and quantifying the problem. And then when all is said and done, your product gets to be the solution to the problem that the prospect had all along. Instead of pitching, you're having a conversation. Instead of being quick and transactional, you build a relationship. You're not just a run-of-the-mill salesperson anymore. You're a consultant, an advisor. You are here to solve their problems, not sell them for the sake of selling. Now, why is this approach, why is this approach gaining so much traction? What, what is effective about this now? Because it aligns perfectly with today's buyer. Today's customers, they don't want to be sold to. They want to be understood. We all do as people. 
We don't just want to be listened to. We want to feel heard as human beings. And until Skynet takes over and you're selling to the machines, your customers are human beings. They want their problems to be taken seriously and they want solutions that genuinely fit their needs. It's no longer about convincing someone to buy because they didn't have any other options. They didn't have access to information because now they always have the internet if they feel overly pressured. It's about helping them make an informed decision that they feel good about. And when I say this approach to sales is a differentiator, what I actually mean, it is a unbelievable competitive edge. Here's an example I can think of. Steve Trang and I have given this on a podcast together before. I want to talk about how powerful asking the right questions and having a consultative approach is in getting someone to part with their hard-earned money. So imagine you are going into Home Depot. You're going to talk to a sales guy there. He's in his traditional orange apron, right? You go in there, you know you want to build a treehouse for your kids. That's all you know. And you're at, you're in there trying to buy a drill, buy some type of drill, because that's the tool you are missing to be able to build this treehouse. If you walk in there and the first sales guy with his orange apron, he comes up to you and he says, Hey, what are you looking for? What can I help you with here at the store? And you say, I'm looking for a drill. And he goes, great. Let me take you to the drills. Let me take you over here, show you the drills we have. And then you will want to buy one of them. You'll make that decision. You might buy the drill. You've walked in there. He's shown you exactly what you asked for. This is how a lot of salespeople think about this. If you go in there again and you say, hey, I want to build, or you go up, let me rephrase this. You go up there, you walk up to the salesperson and they say, what are you looking for here? Instead of just saying, I want a drill and the salesperson gun goes, perfect, let me take you to the drills. They go, great. They start walking you towards the drill after you said that Then ask you other questions about it. They go, okay, what do you need the drill for? And you say, oh, I want to build a, a treehouse. Gotcha. So it's going to be into wood. Yep. Great. Well, we've got this product here, right? That person, that second salesperson will have a more effective job in getting that customer to actually buy it because they got asked a question that feels personalized to them. That same principle, that approach applies in even more detail. That You walk in this Home Depot again, you walk up to another salesperson. He's got that orange apron on. And he says to you, what are you looking for? You say a drill. He starts walking there. He says, gotcha. What's the drill for? And you say to build a tree house in the backyard for my kids. And he goes, okay, what's your experience level with drilling into wood? How many kids do you have? How much load bearing do you want in this tree house? Tell me more about your situation. Tell me more about you have experience building a tree house in the past. If you had built one smaller, what were the challenges there? If you'd built one bigger, if you'd never built anything at all, what are your concerns? What are your fears? And at the end of it, you can go, okay, well, we've got a bunch of options that will all fit your need. But based on the fact that this is for your kids, I'm going to guess making sure that you have a product that will not fail you. The failure rate is as close to zero as we have here at the Home Depot. Seems pretty important because this is your last summer with your kids, you were telling me, before the oldest goes off to college. You want to make sure that it's, you're safe in there when all of you are in the treehouse. And the prospect goes, yes, that's exactly right. And you go, okay, here's this drill. 
that conversation will always win out versus the first one. And it will almost always win out versus the second one because it feels personalized to the person you were talking to. This is the power of a consultative selling approach, of making your prospect, of guiding them towards making their own decision rather than force feeding them the solution that could very much be to their benefit. In fact, I would argue that if you genuinely believe that the product or service, whatever it is you're selling, does indeed help or enrich the lives of your customers, you owe it to them to adopt a more effective sales strategy. Now, I feel qualified to talk about this because my first commission-only sales role was selling life insurance. And life insurance isn't for everyone, particularly the product that I was selling, which was mostly whole life insurance. It's not a product that's ideal for every single person you talk to, for every single prospect, but it works for a lot of people. And I will say, knowing that it could help some people, what would happen is the company I was working for, they would tell you to use these super high pressure tactics. They would say things like, you owe it to the person you're talking to, to sell every single person. You're having a conversation with them. It doesn't matter if they already have more life insurance coverage than their income coming in to cover per month. That doesn't matter. You have to sell them. This is helping some people. Therefore, we want to use this high pressure tactics to talk to everyone. And this is not ideal. It's absolutely a fantastic way to push people away to make it no longer feel like it was their decision. And I would say it's a massive mistake that most companies make, especially in sort of a direct-to-consumer market, where you tell your salespeople, you get them inspired. You'll see this with like network marketers all the time, saying this will help people, this will change their lives, this is such an important thing. Therefore, you should pressure the prospect. You should try and force them to want to do this. You should apply all this aggression and pressure because what happens then is you are less effective than if you let that person make the decision themselves. A perfect example of this, of getting someone to take action, because sales is getting someone to take action in some way, shape, or form, is if you're thinking about, let's say, recovery. If someone's trying to recover from alcoholism or recover from a drug addiction, the line is always, you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. Right? That principle applies in getting someone to take action. So that same idea, getting someone off of, getting an addict who whatever they're addicted to is destroying their lives, breaking that addiction is to their benefit. But those people know that the best way to get them to do that is not to force pressure them in every way, shape, or form so that they don't feel like it was their decision. It needs to feel like their decision. This is a huge challenge in a lot of B2C industries that the salespeople are trained to think that their product is so good, the service is so amazing, and this insurance is incredible, this solar is incredible, whatever, this training, this coaching, it'll transform your life. Therefore, you should be super pressure focused. It's a mistake. It's not the best way to get someone to take action. And also, what happens then is very, very clear. And I'll say this also. I got good when I stopped thinking about 
the script that that company provided me as something I needed to adhere to. When I understood that asking questions about what it would feel like for that person's family, if God forbid the worst happened that it didn't come home tomorrow, what it would be like for their spouse, for their children, what if, let's say they're married, what their wife would say on the phone to their daughter who's away at college, what would that conversation be like? Asking that question rather than pressuring someone like, you don't want your wife to make that phone call, how sad that's gonna be, you gotta prevent that. Asking the question about it so it feels like their decision was what helped separate me and what helped me sell more life insurance than simply following the script. And then still, in this industry and many others, these brand new life insurance agents, they are coached on this ABC, always be closing, high pressure approach. This, this approach is the reason, and the reason they're coached on this, it's not necessarily because of negligence, but just a misunderstanding, let's call it, on what is an effective, repeatable way to train new salespeople. Because what happens in life insurance, and it happens in solar, it happens in car sales, it happens in healthcare, tech sales, real estate, in every corner of every industry on the planet, these salespeople, they inevitably burn out. A question I posed at the start of this episode was, are there any negative consequences on the mental health of the salesperson using high pressure tactic? Well, let me ask you this. If you are in a sales role and you are having conversations with really qualified prospects who have the budget, they have the means, they have the willpower, they have everything that makes them your perfect avatar of a customer. If you have all of that, if all your ducks are in a row, are you still going to hear a no from time to time? Is there an actual possibility that you will never hear the word no ever again? Of course you will hear the word no. That's inevitable. There's no such thing as 100% closed sales because of a few factors. First off, at least 20% of the people you're talking to are probably just looky-loos anyway. They're just shopping around. They're just curious. There's just no way that you could ever be confident that every single person you're going to talk to actually could buy. So even if you're in a scenario where somehow you could magically know that everyone could, you're still going to hear no. And what worked for me when I got great at sales is when I was selling solar and I had a mindset shift that was incredibly powerful for me. It was February and I was selling solar in Illinois and I was struggling to make quota. It looked like I was going to end up short and I was frustrated I was getting angry. I was, I was doubting my identity as a salesperson because how could I be struggling to hit quota? I'm obsessed with sales. This is all I want to do is have these conversations. Like, what's going on? It didn't matter that there's a shorter month and I still had the same expectations of a longer month. It didn't matter that in Illinois, where I was selling solar, for a lot of the winter, if the temperature drops below a certain level, we can't even get on the roof to inspect it to sell them. Didn't matter for any of that. Legally, they don't let us on the roof. That didn't matter. Even though that's what I was telling myself. Like, oh, this is so unfair. How could they have these expectations of me that 
don't apply to February. This is unfair. The big shift for me when I got great was understanding there will be no's, there will be hardships, there will be things that get in my way. And I talked to my manager at the time who told me, hey, based on your closing ratio, if you just go into two homes a day, you will make your numbers. You're not going to crush it this month, but you're going to make numbers if you just go into two homes a day. And so knowing that, I decided to celebrate going into two homes a day as if it was a sale. That was it. That was the main thing for me. And I'll talk about this again in other episodes in more detail so you can figure out exactly how to apply this to your life, exactly how to know your numbers, know your closing ratio, and understand everything so that you can celebrate your activity. But I also understood that I was going to get no's, that someone was going to fail credit, that some work would need to be done on the home, that all these outside circumstances were going to happen. And when you understand that, in fact, when you embrace it, I'm then no longer surprised when it happens. This is a thing I've applied to other aspects of my life. I used to get much more upset if someone were to flip me off on the road. Now, I'm not a road rage type person, but man, I, if someone's, they'd cut me off and then flip me off, they were in the wrong. How dare they? This is outrageous. And I started going, wait a second. Do I really think there are no more bad drivers out there? Is there a chance that there's a bad driver who's rude, who's having a bad day and is already a rude bad driver who will then cut me off? I honk out of safety and they flip me off. Do I think that's never going to happen again? Of course it's going to happen again. It is inevitable. So I expect it. It's outside of my control. I expect that negativity that helped build up my resiliency. When you are in a high-pressure sales capacity, what happens is you are trying so hard to get things done. You're pushing forward so aggressively that your resiliency, like enamel wearing off your teeth, it fades. If you're pressuring someone over and over again, rather than understanding a pretty profound difference, which is the difference between being aggressive and being assertive, you end up risking everything crumbling down and burning out. Aggression is I won't take no for an answer. It's we have to do this. A yes is all I'm pushing for because you need this. Your family deserves this. You want this car. You care about the environment. Whatever the thing is, whatever your talk track, you're setting yourself up for disappointment by focusing on the yes. Instead, switching my expectations and focusing on the process to be assertive instead of aggressive, but I'm still pushing for something, but I'm pushing for a yes or a no. Either way is equally okay because inevitably I will get some no's. The only thing I don't want is I need to think about it because therefore I don't even get to determine if this doesn't make sense to my prospect because they're just put into limbo of overthinking because most of the time they're not actually thinking about it anyway. That's just an excuse for something else. So by pushing for a yes or a no equally, it helps rebuild up that armor, that natural strength, the enamel on your teeth, whatever you need, you need to picture for this that allows you to deal with the negativity. Because either way, you got a yes or you got a no. It's exactly what you were looking for. You were only looking for one 
or the other. If you take nothing else away from this episode, remember this. High pressure sales tactics will not only lose side by side next to a consultative approach, but you are also risking burning yourself out. I don't care what your purpose is. I don't care how strong your conviction is to do the work that needs doing. If you're focused on pressure for a yes, which we classify as aggression, rather than the understanding of sticking to a process to get to a yes or a no, which is being assertive, you are risking burnout. And a career in sales is too great of an opportunity to risk with a sub-optimal approach. I'm Ian Ross. This has been the Close More Sales Podcast.